0: On this episode of the Burning Rooms Podcast, we are taking you all the way to Edmonton, Alberta to have a conversation with intercessory missionary Stephen Alksney, who is part of the House of Prayer Edmonton. This is the Burning Rooms Podcast. (laughs) Welcome to the Burning Rooms podcast, where we connect you to the heartbeat of the praying church, where we have the conversations and share the stories that encourage you and strengthen your corporate and personal prayer life. My name is Johan. I'm Brian. Burning Rooms is part of Consecrate.ca, an equipping and training resource with online classes and internships for praying people and communities. See Consecrate.ca for details and any upcoming classes. So here we are, episode two slated for the second month of 2022,
1: recorded on the 22nd day. And I'm personally so excited. Like I said on our first podcast, I, I think I gave a guarantee if it didn't get edited out that it could only get better than our first one. And so, and again, the way we make sure that is we brought on a guest today. And so <laughs> we make things better by bringing on people. Yeah. So welcome,
0: Stephen Alksney. Hey, guys. It's so good to be here with you. Yeah, it's great to have you on. So maybe first of all, tell us a little bit about your ministry there at
2: Hope Edmonton and maybe what your role is there. Oh, for sure. Well, the House of Prayer Edmonton has been around for about 18 years now. And in those 18 years, it's a ministry that's, you know, focused on the city, in uh, praying for the city, contending for the city, that God would receive all that he purchased in the city through his son on the cross, right? I mean, our ministry is to pray and to contend for that through intercession right and so we've been around for about 18 years and if you guys have been following houses of prayer throughout canada like 18 years is it's it's that's a profound thing in our nation around houses of prayer existing being this long and this consistent and i guess i feel the liberty to say that because i'm not the founder of the house of prayer (laughs) <laughs> I'm just on staff with them.
0: No, that's significant, though. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, and like within those 18 years, the majority of those, those 18 years, um, every day we've had about two to three hours of prayer every weekday with uh, five to ten people every day contending. And again, we're focused on the city. Um, you know, if something happens like uh, a lot of floodings are happening in BC. We'll we'll pray for BC. You know, we'll pray for stuff in the states or whatever. But like our heart is this city, and seeing we're wanting to see a revival here in Edmonton. So yeah, that's a, that's a bit about the House of Prayer. I mean, my role at the House of Prayer. I mean, like you said, I'm an intercessory missionary, and so the prayer room that's my main focus. That has been. I've been with House of Prayer for nine years, so I'm coming up on ten years this summer, and the prayer room's my my heartbeat. That's why I'm here. And, you know, I am a prayer leader there. But just even helping out in the prayer room, facilitating, just being a presence and engaging and encouraging one another in our prayer room. And so the prayer room is my heartbeat. I do a lot of stuff with House of Prayer. I do a lot of men stuff. Another thing we do every month is we do 24-hour prayer. And that's something I head up and I schedule that. So every month we do 24 hours of prayer and worship. And so it's like a little bit of House of Prayer, a little bit about myself there. But Awesome. So,
1: obviously, this has been kind of a wild season for everyone, right? kind of navigating covid and so one of the things I was curious about is how have you guys been doing in this last season? Are there like
2: adjustments you've had to had to make in the midst of covid absolutely <laughs> so many adjustments there's adjustments happening every month. it feels like. <laughs> One thing our house of prayer was really convicted about with the beginning at the beginning of COVID, that this was going to be a season of going low and embracing humility and meekness. And so our conviction early on was to have an obedience to Romans 13 and just, you know, submitting to government and authority. And we acknowledge, you know, other ministries and other churches have had different convictions in how to approach government and respond to government protocols and everything. But that was our conviction from early on. And so we've been abiding by all the COVID updates and everything, right? That government's been laying out. So we've gone from Zoom back to (laughs) in-person to Zoom back to in-person. The one thing we definitely had to do is like, like I said, the majority of our program has been like three hours every morning, every weekday. And once we went out to Zoom, as you guys know, doing three hours over Zoom, Oh. prayer that's rough so we scaled yeah. it back to two hours and so throughout the whole this whole covid season uh we've been doing two hours of prayer every morning and right now we're because of lockdowns happening not lockdowns happening we've been going we right now we got like a hybrid of in-person and zoom going on which is awesome too because there's a lot of people in this city that aren't mobile and so we've actually seen an increase by like We've got about 15 people every prayer meeting because, like consistently, because people who can't drive are able to join in with us, right?
0: So are you finding some people from other regions outside of Edmonton joining you
2: or? Yeah, yeah, like, like smaller towns outside of the city, not like Calgary or like, but like that are really connected to the city, like Watasquin or something. But it's so
1: cool to hear of, just to hear of other ministries doing it, because I know even with some of our listeners, like we've all had to make adjustments and sometimes it can feel so like it can feel so frustrating or disappointing. You're maybe pairing back hours a little bit. It's not the same. You want to see people face to face. But when you hear that there's okay, there's others who are doing this too, and we're kind of in this together. I don't know. For me, that's just an encouragement of we're we're not waning in our commitment here. It might look different, but we're still in on this, and we're going to do what we got to do in this season. And yeah, just try to make it through.
2: Absolutely. Yeah,
0: we're going to get into probably some of the challenges that you faced and what keeps you in the prayer movement and as an intercessory missionary it keeps you coming back. But Maybe we can go back to your story a little bit first. Like, how did you come into joining the prayer movement and becoming an intercessory missionary? Like, where did it
2: start for you? Just maybe share a little bit of your story. Yeah, no, I'd love to. Um, I guess my journey with prayer started when I was about 14 years old. And, well, it started when I was like 15, but the real thing that got me going was when I was 14. So I grew up in the church all my life, more of a traditional. Uh, background Lutheran. And I started taking my faith seriously and making it my own when I was about uh, 16. But when I was 14 years old, what led up to that was my dad passed away. And as a 14-year-old kid, when that happens, it was a very traumatic experience. And, you know, something like that, it forces you to think about eternal things, right? You're constantly thinking about heaven. You think about what's, what's the deep meaning of life, right? And, you know, For a lot of people, traumatic experiences like that push them away from the Lord. But for me, the Lord, in His mercy, used it to draw me closer to Him. So that happened when I was 14, and the Lord took me through a series of events. When I was about 15, 16 years old, I took a big leap of faith, and I was convicted to get baptized as an adult. And so I did that, and about a week later, I just spontaneously, organically happen to desire to read my Bible and to pray. And for a 16-year-old, you know, that just doesn't happen, you know? And so, like, I remember coming home from school one day, I'm in my mom's basement, and I just open up my Bible and start reading it. And, you know, it just is enjoyable, and it goes for like an hour, and then I close the thing, and I'm like, man, I still haven't even prayed. And so I start praying and just having a simple conversation with the Lord, and it goes for like an hour. You know, and that continues on all week. And then the next week, it was about four hours every day, organically, right? And then the following week was about six hours. It was like this I don't know. Well, I said joy, but it was more of a feeling of incredible significance. Like what I'm doing really matters. Like this is what I was made for. And so there was like this sudden explosion of prayer in my life. And This continued on. I was in grade 10 at the time. It continued on to the end of the school year. I'm coming up to the summertime, and my summer is wide open except for one commitment to camp. This prayer desire is growing and growing and growing and growing. All my free time is spent in intercession, in simple conversations with God, and just reading the Bible. And so that summertime, I probably spent eight to 12 hours laying on the ground of my bedroom. Again, like this isn't like me as a 28 year old now. This is a 15, 16 year old guy, right? Like, wow. how, how does God take an ADHD um, 16 <laughs> year old kid and like have him enjoy that amount of prayer, right? That's totally a God thing. I mean, yeah. my mom thought yeah. I went crazy. I was just like, uh, you know, now he's not. Now he's not eating. He's fasting, <laughs> and, <laughs> uh, and you know, a lot of that continued on. You know, even to my grade eleven year, where I was like, really, I mean, not the best for my education, but I spent most of most days um, up to like three, four a.m. just spending time in the Word, praying, worshiping, and adoring God. And you know, it was through this, I would say, explosion of prayer, like, because it really was. Nobody told me about it. No one said, "Hey, do this." It was just like, wow, this is enjoyable. God is real and I just want to get to know him.
0: Can I just interrupt you for a second? Was there anything that you were experiencing that was
2: like keeping you there or was it just the enjoyment piece? That's it. It was just the enjoyment and the feeling of purpose. Like this is what I was made for. Wow. Mm -hmm. Wow. Sorry, keep going. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) Well, you know, like, so this is all happening and that raw, I would say just raw experience of prayer in God's presence. That experience happened for about 10 solid months of just firehose God's presence, right? You know, my brother-in-law, Donovan Byer, he was on staff at the House of Prayer here in Edmonton, and I couldn't connect with anyone. Like, this is just happening in my life. And... You know, no one knew what was like, what do we do with Stephen? You know, I'm going to a Baptist church at the time. And (laughs) what do we do with this guy? (laughs) And House of Prayer was the only place that kind of gave language to it. And not only gave language to it, but it's like, hey, this is awesome. But there's actually more than what you're experiencing. How do you develop a more intimate relationship with God? Right. And so I started getting involved with House of Prayer when I was in high school I felt like when I was in grade 12, the Lord told me to be at the house prayer vocationally. Went to Kansas City for a couple months after I graduated, came back, jumped on staff, and the rest is history. <laughs> I, oh, I'm, I'm just blown away. Like, when we pray, I'm, I
1: don't know if you guys ever do this, but I just think about so many prayer meetings when I was on staff at SHOP and just a part of the the community there, like, just praying, Lord, like, would you just encounter young men, young women, encounter teens, Lord, like, Release a spirit of prayer. I just think about all those prayers, Lord. Raise up ones who administer to your heart. Raise up the priesthood. Like all those things, and then hearing your story is like, oh my goodness! Like mm-hmm. those prayers, like the Lord is is just sovereignly just encountering people in their journey. And yeah, I I don't even know what to say. I, it's, it's just <laughs> such an encouraging testimony of what yeah of the way the Lord encountered you and and just kind of brought you in as a as an intercessor.
0: And there's got to be more out there like that, right? Like maybe they haven't even discovered a house of prayer and they don't know why they're laying on their floors exactly. for hours on end. And they don't know there's communities where they can give themselves to this thing and the Lord's actually called them. So that's, I mean, we often pray for the under, under 30 generation and for the Lord to bring in the intercessors and the Annas, right? And you were one of them. So it's that's encouraging just to hear the
2: story. Well, you know, like, there's just, I mean, so many people that the Lord's called in this generation to something greater, and, you know, they haven't settled themselves down to hear the Lord say, like, Jeremiah, I've set you apart as a prophet. You know, I don't want you to pursue just your regular go-with-your-friends-to-the-hockey-game life, and that stuff's great or whatever, but, like, God is wanting to wreck this generation with his presence, you know, and, like, full-out just raw glory outpouring of the spirit and i believe that the, that's what the lord's going to do in the last days. So how did that affect your friendships growing up in high school? Um my friends turned into uh early 20 year olds <laughs> um 40 year olds. <laughs> I really I mean that's and I'll kind of jump into this at the end here is like I really well I, this is who I I was like man this is who I am. And I want to surround myself with people that are going to take me to a deeper place in God. And so, I guess, not so much friends. I surround myself with a lot more of mentors, I'm a lot more mentors in my life. But um, it was definitely an interesting time because all I wanted to do was spend time with God. But I still had all these friends going on in my youth group and everything. Um, actually, it was one time I was uh, I was at youth group and um, I convinced the youth group after youth to come over to my house to watch a movie and I transformed it into a prayer meeting and I was just like, kind of tricked them all in coming. <laughs> all right, guys, we're just going to pray for two hours. <laughs> Everyone was so disappointed. <laughs> now you can
0: at least watch the chosen or something and yeah. lead into something like that. But I think I'd probably feel ripped off as someone that likes prayer too. <laughs> so were there any encounters during that time, like markers that you would say, this is a defining moment where I feel like the Lord's called me into this. I know as someone that's an intercessory missionary too, I have a few of those where just the Lord has encountered me in a significant way. And it was just one of those markers that say, yeah, that was one of the defining moments in my life that defined where I'm going and what I'm doing. Just wondering
2: if you had any of those. Oh, so many of those kind of times um, that that are coming to my mind right now. A lot of those times are just times of just being in the Word and meditating and just simple conversations, but I guess in that season. But once I started getting involved a lot with the House of Prayer and, you know, starting getting to know what the House of Prayer is all about, right? I remember one time I was in our prayer room and... I just felt the Lord give me an invitation to give my life to this thing. It was just this yes inside me like more like God you you want me to do this all of my life? You want to give me the privilege to contend for this city's inheritance through intercession and to worship you occupationally. Absolutely. <laughs> And so, I mean, I I remember having a conversation with God about three hours that for me. I was like, yes, this is all I want. And yeah, so that's one time that comes to my mind. It's awesome. It reminds me of or oh, that passage it talks about
0: the priests and how the Lord is their inheritance. Forget about all the other rewards, but their inheritance will be that they get to be before him.
2: Exactly. One of the things that sticks
1: out to me as I hear your story a bit is just that a number of years ago as a youth pastor, but. Still, over the last number of years, did a lot of youth speaking, a lot of stuff around teens and stuff. And I, I just wonder, listening to your story, if, if we so often allow youth to settle for a vision for their life that's so much smaller than what the Lord has for them. And we say things like, oh, you can do whatever you want. You can be whatever you want. But we don't often help youth start to get a vision for for a life of going deep in God. Mm-hmm. Right? And it's it's almost like this idea of, ah, oh, yeah, well, if they just pray a little bit or just do a little bit, it's almost like we're, we're happy for like like something somewhat less. And yet it's like, no, 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 no. Like Samuel was encountering the Lord from a young age and the Lord wants teens encountering him in such a deep way. He wants to rock them. He wants to give them a passion for prayer. And I keep, I keep thinking back when I was a youth pastor and I was not in the prayer movement yet, didn't even know about the prayer movement, really anything like that. And one of our nights we, we just taught kids simply how to pray. We had a girl in my youth group. I don't even know if she was a believer, actually. But we were just teaching them how to pray. Simple model, using the Lord's Prayer, but then just, you know, into like time of praise, time of confession, that sort of thing. Very simple model. And then once they were done praying, then they could go back into our church gym or whatever and hang out. And this girl, I'm not even sure if she was a believer, but she was the last one who is in the room. Just her and the Lord encountering him. And I just remember thinking, like, why have I not been doing this from the beginning? Wow. It's like I've been teaching them these these truths about God, these important truths for their lives and stuff, but I haven't actually been giving them space to connect with the creator of the universe and mentoring them in that. And again, I'm just struck by this reality, right? Like as a 16 year old, you understood, oh, like there's nothing better than being in his presence. Like the Lord, like the Lord, Lord's still in the business of doing that. And I think how much more in this generation right now?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's where it starts is like what you said is vision, right? I mean, I didn't really have a huge amount. It was just something that the Lord did. But the more I'm growing in the Lord, the more vision I have. Like, if you don't have vision, where are you going to go? You're just going to wander around. You have to have vision for something, right? And like I said, like, when the Lord started doing this in my life, all I wanted to do was surround myself by people who were more mature than me in prayer because they had something I didn't have and I had vision. I want that, right? And I want to pursue that. And so it's so important that we display to this generation There's so much more to life. There's God. We can actually enjoy God all day, every day, and he can set us on a path that we we didn't even imagine for, we couldn't even imagine for our lives, right?
0: Especially in a generation that is so distracted, but the Lord is calling a few people probably many people actually, to give themselves to just enjoying Him, putting aside those distractions, putting aside all those other things, and just enjoying the Lord. There are 15-year-olds, there are 13-year-olds out there that want to give themselves to the place of prayer and encountering the Lord's heart. It's not done yet. Like even with all the distractions, all the phones and stuff, the Lord's not done with having a generation that is focused on him and once once their gaze and their eyes set on him right
1: so completely absolutely and, and i just wonder as you're saying that johan in this especially right now in this like time of tiktok and reels and stuff like that all these short videos because nothing is catching the attention right so they have to go to another thing to another thing to another thing because nothing is really catching their attention it's because they were made to gaze on something much much better
0: Mm-hmm.
1: right? It's at that revelation Four throne room. Like they were meant to gaze on the holy uncreated eternal God. And when that, when they start to get a vision for that, I mean, no wonder they have a short attention span. They're not looking at, like, we're not looking at things that are of any eternal value. And so we, we have this innate desire to be entertained and fascinated, but it's only met in Christ. And so I just, I just feel like just saying this right now with the podcast, but the Lord the Lord is so zealous about raising up a generation that will gaze on Him. And I think if we have eyes to see it, we'll even recognize that in our culture. It's like, no, they're looking for something that will catch their glance. They're looking for something that will hold their attention, and they're not finding it in the culture. Mm. But they are going to find it in Him. And so, I i mean, let's have a prayer meeting right now, almost. <laughs> <I'm just
2: starting laughs> kidding, exactly. Like, sort of not kidding,
1: but right? Like, oh, it just fills my heart with faith that, Because when they get a gaze of him, they're never, ever, ever going to want to look away if they truly see him.
0: Yeah. Like look at the throne room, Revelation four, John seeing this. What kind of TikTok reel has that, right? Like he's saying, (laughs) I saw this and I saw this and I saw this. I mean, you can scroll through your phone, but you're not fascinated, right? Your attention is grabbed for 10 seconds at a time. But there it's like, oh, I see this and this and this, and my heart is blowing up with everything that I see with the holiness of God. Right? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, that's probably a good lead-in to the next question. Like, what keeps you in this thing for 10 years? 10 years this summer, yeah. 10 years this yeah. summer. Wow, that's incredible.
2: Yeah, uh, I mean, that's let's... on staff at the House of Prayer, but like, really, when it comes to prayer and the prayer movement, I've been involved with it for, you know, 12, 13 years ever since the Lord started doing that stuff in my life, right?
0: And I'm sure you've seen your share of challenges and difficult seasons in that time frame. So, what what keeps you going? Or what's kept you going during those hard times?
2: Yeah, I mean, the thing that's kept me going through the hard times, all the highs and lows uh, of it all, right, is um, I guess the overall desire to live an extraordinary life for God. And that was the one thing as I started to make my faith a lot more my own is I don't just want to be in this thing half in, you know, and I don't want to just live this, lukewarm life as and as like the church has kind of been, you know, just following the way of the culture. I want to live an extraordinary life before God. I want to have a profound relationship with Jesus. And so, you know, that's the biggest thing that keeps me even in those dry times in those times of trials and tribulations. I want to have a real relationship with God. And the fact is that doesn't come through just watching movies, you know, that comes through spending time with Him. And so there's this huge desire within me that just wants to have this unique life with God and to walk with Him every day, even through the highs and the lows, right? On a practical level, I, I said this earlier on, is surrounding myself with people, surrounding myself with with examples. I mean, Paul says, I think it's 13 times in the New Testament, imitate my life or imitate um, leaders in, around you. And there's this call to imitation. But we have to have people in front of us to imitate, right? And for me, surrounding myself with um, guys like Jim, our director at the House of Prayer, and other individuals who've done this thing—I've, you know, I've done this thing for like nine years or thirteen years or whatever—and Jim's been in this thing for like twenty years, you know, learning from those people who've who've gone the distance. They've gone through trials, they've gone through highs, and they've gone through lows, and they're just rooted and they're grounded. The uh, analogy I like to use. I remember I got this from Stephen Venable. He used to be a teacher at IHOP. So, like, let's imagine. So, the Iron Man. You know, you swim like two point four miles. You bike like hundred and twelve miles, and then you run twenty six miles. It's crazy, right? And so, like, the analogy I remember Stephen using was: um, you're sitting on your couch, you're watching TV, and you hear about. Iron man and you're like oh Iron man that sounds cool and after sitting on the couch for like five months you're like okay I'm gonna try this out <laughs> so you swim for you're supposed to swim for 2.4 miles and you end up doing like 0. 0.2 and you're dead and then someone picks you up and throws you on a bike and you know you bike for like three miles and then you fall down and they're like hey you gotta run 26 more miles <laughs> and you're dead at that point right and then you go back to your TV and And you actually look and you witness on the television people doing the Iron Man. You've concluded in your mind from your experience that this is impossible, right? You're like on the couch and you go, I'm going to try this thing out. And you're you're like dead. You can't walk for days or whatever. Like your conclusion, this is impossible. And then you see people do it on TV you're like, oh my goodness, this is actually possible. And that's the encouragement I found from like surrounding yourself with uh, or immersing yourself in church history or uh, surrounding yourself with people who are beyond you. When you actually see that a deep and intimate relationship with God sustained through years is possible, that's so important. And I find that's the, the biggest thing in my life is surrounding myself with those individuals. And I think it was one of my favorite things too about being in the house of prayer is being around
1: people with such a spirit of devotion that I just felt provoked. And it was so awesome. Like on some of our longer, you know, Sundays where you're four, three or four hours into being in the prayer room and you're just kind of tired and it's, it's just been a long day. You're hungry, all those sort of things. And you look across the room and someone else is feeling just as tired as you are, but you see them standing up and just engaging in worship. And you're like, Oh, I love this community. And it just, the, the way that that would like, for me, provoke me into, oh, they're they're still pushing. They're pushing through the dullness. I want to push through the dullness. If they can do it, I can do it too. And so having those those running mates too, like uh, the mentors, but also the running mates who are like you're watching them go after the Lord, and it's like, okay, this is giving me courage now. I can do this too. It's almost like if you're if you're going to train for an Ironman or something, you want you want training partners, right? That when you're tired, exactly. of you, you see them going and like, okay, they're going. I can do this too. That sort of thing. And so. So that was such a blessing
2: to me about, yeah, about my time in the in the House of Prayer. Mm-hmm. I just want to encourage you guys listening to this right now, if you don't have that community of people, um, that's the most important thing is to find a community of people. If you're here in Edmonton, get involved with the House of Prayer, get to know our community uh, with SHOP or wherever, wherever you're at. If it's a church that's a praying church, even if you don't attend there, they'll be more than happy to help you, uh, to give you community in prayer. And no matter what church you're in, there's
0: always those couple of intercessors because churches wouldn't survive without them, right? So Mm -hmm. find them and start a prayer meeting with them or just get to know how they
1: pray, right? Yeah. And definitely, if you feel like you're in that situation where it's like, I don't know if I see one around me, but maybe I'm supposed to start it and you're not sure where to start, like message us at the Burning Rooms podcast and we would love to just even give you a few basic pointers on getting something started. And we might have even done a. Podcast about that in season one or two, I can't remember. But just message us, and we would, we would gladly interact with you on that.
0: You need to listen to episode one, season one through season now, so and then you'll <laughs> you'll be good to go. Probably not. But so, Stephen, what about the next five years? Like, where do you see this prayer movement going? I mean, obviously, you are called to this thing, whether there's a House of Prayer Edmonton or not. Like, you're going to find a way to pray and do what the Lord's obviously placed on you to do, but where do you see the prayer movement going? Mm -hmm. Praying communities? Yeah,
2: I mean, for me on a personal level, um, I see myself just being where I'm at in the prayer room right now. I see it as the greatest privilege of my life to minister to God and again, to, to contend for his plans and purposes on the earth. Like for right now, like I can speak for sure with this house of prayer where we're seeing what the Lord is doing a big thing that the Lord's been speaking to us about is unity in the church. And, you know, we just did a, an event called gather and pray where we've uh, gathered the church together to pray. And, you know, as we were planning that event, um, it was, I think it was a very historic event for our city. Like I don't think there's ever been a time where we've seen such a, an expression of unity of churches and pastors gathering together and praying, you know, in the midst, you know, we were preparing for that event and uh, I was like, man, what an awful time to do a unity event, because there's so much disunity. Like, There's so much disunity, right? And yet, this is the time we need to do a time where we gather the church together. This has to happen as hard as it's going to be. And so I think the biggest thing right now is for the body of Christ to come together. And I think we're going to still battle with this for the next few years is all that COVID has stirred up in political views and I've never, had, I've never experienced such a time where there's so much raw political views. And you know what? I feel like this is a time where the, the body of Christ uh, needs to lay aside their um, COVID perspectives and really just throw them out the window and just immerse themselves in the Word and immerse themselves in the ministry of worship mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. set our eyes not on some political leader here in Alberta or in the States or whatever, and set our eyes on the politics of heaven. I mean, God's ruling over all of this, right? And like what we're talking about, like God's, he's seated on a throne in his throne room. I mean, that's a reality. God, I mean, we're setting our eyes so much in this time on political leaders. And what's this person saying? What's that person saying? We need to throw the gossip out the window and the slander out the window. Bless our leaders, but acknowledge there's a conspiracy happening. It's God on his throne. It's not the government of China. It's the government of heaven. God is ruling over all of this right now. And yet the body of Christ is so disconnected with the reality that God is setting up and unifying all the nations of the earth not because of China or whatever, but because he's planning for the return of his son. And we're so dis—I feel like—I'm just going to speak for myself. I feel like I'm so disconnected from that, right? And so, if there's a t- if there's, I think where the Lord's—where you know, this prayer movement is going to is to a greater revelation of Jesus, you know? Setting our eyes on him, like Brian was saying, you know, we're so distracted with all these things. Where is this going? It's going to the revelation of Christ. Taking our eyes off of ourselves, off of political leaders, setting them on the throne and on Christ. You actually did a whole
0: course on the throne room. But before before I ask you about that, maybe we could just get you to pray for us. I just, I don't know, there's something when you, when you speak, I feel there's a stirring in my heart to even contend for these young people. And politics of heaven, that really stuck out to me when you said that. So maybe just pray for us and those listening.
2: Yeah, absolutely. God, we're just praying for the revelation of your son. Ephesians 1.17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ would give us the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of revelation in the knowledge of Him. And God, we're just asking you and we're contending for that revelation of your Son to permeate our hearts, Lord. God, we just pray where, you know, everyone listening to this podcast, um, where we've, we've had low views of your Son, God, and we've elevated human beings, political leaders above him in our lives, God. We just pray, God, would you permeate our hearts, Lord? God, we ask you for, like Hebrews 1, Colossians 1, the theme of the supremacy in the absolute, gigantic greatness of who your son is. God, we ask you, we want that revelation of who he is. We want that gigantic, ruling revelation of your son. And so, God, I just pray um, right now for something that theological study can't do. I ask you for something more than zeal could do. We ask you for the revelation of your son, God. We ask you for an explosion of the knowledge of who he is in our lives, in Jesus' name. So good.
0: Thanks for that.
1: Amen. <laughs> wow, it has been it's just been so... Amazing. I I don't know how you feel. And I got to feel like this conversation is one that could go on for hours. So at at some point in the future, we're going to have to have you back if it works for you, because this has just been such an encouraging conversation. And yeah, I feel my heart stirred. Yeah, this has just been amazing.
0: Yeah, for sure. So like I mentioned, you did a throne room series, like a video series, teaching series. Uh, Maybe just tell us where if people want to connect with you, maybe they want to support you as an intercessor missionary, maybe they want to find that course. And I mean, there's obviously a lot of passion behind you speaking about the throne room, and that obviously comes through. So people won't want to miss that. Maybe just tell us a little bit about that.
2: Yeah, last year I released part one of the throne room series that I did, and it's eight it's eight messages. I'm hoping in the next year to release part two, which is going to be the latter ten messages. But if you're interested at all in in that or any of the themes that we've uh, been talking about, you can go to my website, Stephen Elksney. Dot com and s t e p h e n a l k s n e and that has all of that material the throne room and other teachings that I've done um and also there too if you if you're stirred at all I I raise all of my own support and I've been doing that for the last nine years and right now I was I was hoping to be full time with the House of Prayer at this time but I'm not but I guess that's in the Lord's timing but you know it would help out greatly if you would consider partnering with me monthly. And if you go to my website, all the information there is there for that.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, go support them. So thanks, Steven, so much for joining us. It's been a pleasure to have you on. Hopefully again, like Brian said, we'll have you again. So we're going to do another failed segment as we did last week. Uh, Stephen, <laughs> you didn't hear it yet, but uh, basically we couldn't come up with a segment. So we were doing failed segment ideas that we've had. <laughs> So many failed
1: segment (laughs) ideas.
0: It was prayer room etiquette last week.
1: Yeah. I feel like me and Johan are two of the, probably globally, two of the best people on earth at coming up with bad ideas for podcast segments. (laughs) Uh, Just bad ideas in general, I feel like, right? There's not too many House of Prayer podcasts out there, though. So (laughs) the pool is pretty small there. we, We definitely flow on the anointing of bad ideas. Yes. Anyway, today's segment... This is what we were going to do.
0: It was called Secret Word with Jehu. So basically he he would have these smart sounding words that we have no idea what the definition is. It really sounds like, what does that mean? Which was a segment we did before. But these are words handpicked by Jehu. So Jehu, you still have a part in this podcast. So our word is cherubism. Did I pronounce that correctly? Cherubism. Yeah. So, so Brian, what do you... What do you think cherubism means?
1: You know, and maybe this is why this segment failed, because often we try to keep it lighthearted, but there is nothing funny about cherubism. Actually, this is a quite serious condition in which a person is petrified of chairs. And so they don't like to sit on chairs. Just even thinking about chairs, they'll get nervous, um, anxious, fearful, cold sweats. Cherubism, it's the fear of chairs.
2: That is wrong. Steven, you you want to take a shot at this Do you... I mean I'm just guessing it sounds like the cherubim in, in the word <laughs> it's not it's, a bad guess I'm, I'm gonna go off of Brian's thing combine it with mine uh, a fear of the cherubim oh a fear okay. of those creatures around us I don't know I'm just throwing I, I think
0: they'd be cherub, cherubim phobia yeah
2: cherubimphobia, there it is
0: maybe cherubimism this is what was written here it is a condition, Brian. You're right about that. Cherubism is a rare genetic disorder that causes prominence in the lower portion of the face. The name is derived from the temporary chubby-cheeked resemblance to puty. I don't know what that means. Often confused with cherubs in Renaissance paintings. Okay, there you go. In Renaissance paintings. We really know that's from scripture. These guys don't know what they're talking about.
1: All it right. also sort of sounds like when angels go into business A cherubism like a chair of biz? I don't know. <laughs> this, these are why these are failed segments. Okay, we'll do one more. Complementarianism. Complementarianism.
0: Complementarianism. There we go. Yes. What do you
1: think? Well, I think this is just, us theologians sometimes put words together. They, You know, you could say something more simply, and then they just like to make it longer. So complementarianism is just simply a person who's an encourager. And so they're always complimenting people, telling how nice they are, pointing out their positive attributes. And so this is a much more positive thing than cherubism, obviously. And so complementarianism is just being an encourager.
0: Would you agree with that, Stephen? I'd agree. Yeah, I would agree. Well, I remember actually in the book I wrote, Audience of One, Discovering Ministry to God. Available online. Just Don't go by it because I, I need to revise it probably. Anyway... <laughs> one, of the, one of the things
1: Johan Heinrich sales professional I remember
0: one of the things that I always struggled with getting compliments because you know I wanted my ministry to be about ministry to the Lord I wanted him to get all the glory so I often struggled with getting compliments and the Lord just revealed to me no you need to accept compliments praise is for me compliments are for people you can't compliment the Lord. Mm. You can praise him. So there's a the difference there. Anyway, that's just a side note. Complementarianism, the view that men <laughs> and women are equal in value before God, but that their God-given roles in the family and the church are distinct. That's what that means. Okay. <laughs> another This, another, <laughs> this has like been we need another
1: a, failed segment. I feel like we need a, spon-
2: uh, a sponsor for our failed segment. <laughs> that's true. I don't know. A sponsored by the House of Prayer Edmonton. I, I was going to say, <laughs> yeah.
0: maybe n- not sponsored by the House of Prayer Edmonton, because, well, do you want to f- sponsor a failed segment, that's probably...
2: Yeah. We'll, we'll say the interview was sponsored by it. Yeah. Yeah, anyway. yeah. A ministry that you very much disagree with, just have them sponsor it unofficially. <laughs> yeah. The, okay. Sponsored by the Mormons. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> to keep it canadian we'll just say
1: sponsored by the toronto maple leafs maybe I oh know. there you go <laughs>
0: all right thanks for joining us steven it's been awesome uh, i know i'm stirred and encouraged and we're happy to have you on yeah until next time my name's johan my name is brian and this has been the burning just podcast podcast man that's I a think fail you're-